Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You are now tuned in to another episode of the hottest podcast across the land, the hottest podcast across the globe, and the hottest podcast in the galaxy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is the one and only Mixture of Variety, and I'm your host, Patient Zero. Give it up one time. Give it up one time. Yes, indeed. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Glenn is in the building already. What up, Glenn? What up, what up? What's going on, everybody? What is up? It is my favorite time of day. Hopefully, your favorite time of day as well. It is 9 p.m. Eastern time, which means it's time for Make Sure Variety. And Make Sure Variety goes live five days a week, Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. So you don't want to miss it. The live show is where it's at. However, it's all good. Because if you can't catch the live show, we are global. We are everywhere, including this Podbean page right here. If you follow us, we will follow you back 110%. Baby K in the building. What up, Baby K? And in addition to that, you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Make Sure of Variety. You guessed it. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. It's that simple. What is going on, Vinny? Vinny203. Change his mind on the call-in. We do have a special guest coming to the show, and I will introduce her in a second or two. But before we get to that, I just want to let you guys know, if you're listening to the first time or the 5,000th time, I'm just learning how to speak English then I just wanted you to know that we are a variety show. It is a variety show podcast, and we talk about a huge variety of topics. It's actually a mixture of ideas and a variety of topics, which equals, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, 
mixture of variety. Now I'm just gonna say this small list real quick. I'm just gonna go down this uh, small list real quick. Uh, Vinny, I have a special guest calling in. I only do one uh, caller at a time because I'm a newbie rookie like that. I know Podbean gives seven fucking spaces to call in, which I don't understand, but it is what it is. But shouts to Vinny in the room anyway. But anyway, this room, some of the stuff that we talk about is mental health, mental illness, medications, addiction, sobriety, and recovery, which we are all going to cover tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Yes, we are. And you probably saw that already if you came into the room because the topic of the room tonight is addiction, the family disease. But we'll get to that in one second. We also talk about experiences in a halfway house or rehab. Those are a fucking trip. LGBT life, shout out to my LGBT people, relationships, current events, and news. Last night we talked about nothing but good news. The news that is not reported in the mainstream media. We covered it all. Baby K was with me, and we rocked out with their cocks out. And jammed out with their clams out. Clams out, of course. Sex. Of course we talk about sex. Let me get that in before the special the special guest gets in here. We do talk about sex, and Friday is our sex show and is the most downloaded, the most uh the most wanted, as they say. FBI's most wanted show on Podbean and on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Don't miss the sex show. If you can't catch any of the shows 9 p.m. because you're doing whatever you got to do. I forgive you. I feel you. It's all good. If you just need to be reminded, you could just follow me on Podbean and you'll know exactly when we go live. Or you could just put it in a planner or calendar, put it in a calendar on your phone, or you can get a little tattoo on your wrist or forearm that says uh, make sure variety 9 p.m. Eastern so you will not forget. But out of all the shows, I'm telling you right now, the sex show is where it's at. My girl Nikki P joins me and we just go ham. And Glenn says, Jesus, Vinny, listen, and you will have all those questions answered, too. What is the name of the time zone? I'm sorry. Honestly, I didn't mean to. I Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we, also sw- we also talk about mindfulness. Conspiracy theories are always fun. And just random topics that we really pull out of our ass. And so much more, ladies and gentlemen. But above all, above all, positive energy and laughs. You already know what it is. You already know what it is. Positive energy and laughs. And I got to sip my tea for that one. No slurping tonight. (laughs) People ask me to do that now. Slurp your tea. Um, I don't know what I'm missing in the chat room, but I must say, before we go any further... I am not a professional in any way. I'm a professional addict and recovering addict. I can tell you that much, but I'm not a professional in any way. I'm not a counselor. I don't have any degrees, blah, 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 blah. These are just my thoughts and opinions and really my experience, strength, and hope. Experience, strength, and hope. That's where we're going to be dropping tonight with my special guests. But a quick disclaimer for all of y'alls. If you are hypersensitive or get butt hurt easy, this podcast is definitely not for you. 
Sick and twisted dark humor, vulgar, uncensored language, and politically incorrect conversations are just some of the things and fun you'll hear on Mixture of Variety, which means listener discretion is definitely advised. That's right, Granny. You know how we do. You know how we do the disclaimer. Granny sits in the front of the audience, and she just complains and whines the whole time. I don't get it. I don't really get it or understand, but I love her anyway. And you guys love her, and that's what it's about. So as we wait for the special guest to figure out technology and to figure out how to call in on the Podbean app. Oh, shit, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. We have some breaking news, and the breaking news comes in the form of a segment that we like to call Mini Holidays. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Mini Holidays, because every day is a holiday. That is right. That is right. I like turtles. Almost forgot to do that. Almost forgot to do that. Uh, Oh, look at this. Wait a second before we go to... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, the special guest. The special guest came through. I believe she's Did in. Did I really get through? I believe we're all good. Give it up one time for Dee in the building. Am I really? I really got through. Wait, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeannie. Say it again. What's I that? Said I said I. Re- I really got through, huh? <laughs> you really got through. Yes, I thought you were going to make it on uh, Friday's episode, but you made it this episode. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, welcome, Jeannie. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I was talking about before, she just got on the line. We are talking about addiction tonight. And as it says on the subject of the room, you guys already know because you're in the room. Addiction, the family disease. Now, addiction is 100% a family disease. And we're going to get to it right after we get through mini holidays, which is the second segment of the show. And then we're going to jump right into it. But I thought this was... uh, wonderful topic to talk about because obviously it's on the heavier side but like i said mixture of variety we kind of keep the balance of our shows um but we always want to talk about stuff that can also be educational and you know thought-provoking at the same time as fun and wild and out of control and that's what we're doing tonight and i had to bring on my mom so my mom is here yes indeed and baby k says Hi, Mama. <laughs> yes, and uh, you actually know Baby K. Yes, yes. Yes. So, um, but yeah, it, it, we're going to get all into it, and we definitely have different perspectives. I mean, we have a lot of same uh, perspectives on a lot of things as well, but definitely different perspectives as far as how we view addiction and how it affected us. So we're going to get to it, and we're going to tackle it all as they say so mom you called in right in time for many holidays because every day is a holiday and what we do at mr uh at mixture of variety is we go through every single day and we see what is celebrated for that day and it's always something wild it's always something stupid like pretty lame 
Sometimes it just looks like they're just putting words together. But either or, I never look at them. So it's a surprise to me, and it's a surprise to my special guest. It's a surprise to co-hosts, everybody in the room. It's a surprise to everybody. And we just go through it real fast and talk about it. Um, so this is 7-7. Once again, I don't even think I said the date earlier. I said the time, but not the date. July 7th. And it is Tuesday. So let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. This is a really good one to start off with. Everybody in the chat room. It is chocolate day. Chocolate day. That's pretty um, general. But I guess it's, you know, it is what it is. Eat something with chocolate in it and make something with chocolate in it today. Um, Vinny knows. Make sure you guys, and it's hard. I always say, like, we try to we try to um, celebrate these many holidays, but on the East Coast, when I'm doing this show, by the time I get done with the many holidays, we got about two and a half hours to uh, to celebrate them. But besides Chocolate Day, yeah, poor baby K can't even taste effing chocolate at the moment. Besides Chocolate Day, it is Father Daughter Take a Walk Together Day. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty cute. I had to sit my tea for that one. Let's see. Eat lots of chocolate, dark chocolate. Also. Yeah, I mean, you know, dark chocolate is um, what you're supposed to eat, but I, I personally can't stand it. Antioxidants or not. But I have a feeling that the father that takes the daughter on the walk together day, I think they're sharing some chocolate. You like how I put that together? Uh, it is also Global Forgiveness Day. So we're not even talking about national. We're talking about Global Forgiveness Day. So that can that's pretty powerful. Um, I don't even know if it's a religious thing. I'm not even sure. But to err is forgive. To forgive is to divine. Maybe Vinny knows something about that. Global Forgiveness Day. Um I don't have a daughter to take for a walk, damn it. Yeah, glad me either. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I can still walk, like, by myself and eat chocolate and forgive myself, you know? I refuse to forgive them for creating that holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, this is pretty funny, considering what we're talking about today. It is National Dive Bar Day. National Dive Bar Day. Huh? What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Granny. I don't know what's happening. Girl, bye. Girl, bye, exactly. National Dive Bar Day. Let's just skip over that one because it is also National Macaroni Day. Oh. I like it. I like it. Mom, what do you think about that one? That's a good one. I would call it the pasta, though. The pasta, yeah, the macaroni. Did, you probably made pasta today, I'm betting. No. <laughs> if I would have known, I would have. Wait, you really didn't? No, I didn't. Well, you didn't tell me it was pasta day until just now, so it's too late. Girl, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, see, this is the thing. I never tell. Oh, you know what, though? There is always time because the show is over at 10 and you could boil some water and yeah. you are good to go. <laughs> However, wow, there's a lot of food ones today. 
Uh, let's see. I love macaroni. Yes, Vinny, me too. Uh, I try to stay away from it now, though. Uh, National Dive Bar Day. Yes, it is. National Bar Day. What do you mean? Like diving in the water? Uh, no. I think Dive Bar is like uh, a bar that like everyone in the neighborhood goes to. Like one of those little hole in the walls. I think that's what it is. But anyway, it is also National Strawberry Sunday Day. Oh, my. Today's Mini Holidays is also uh, brought to you by Gain 6,000 Pounds Day. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Mighty. And it is also, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, finish up the Mini Holidays of the day. It is Tell the Truth Day. Tell the Truth Day. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the holidays for July 7th. We made it through. We made it through. Glenn says in the room, it's shitty alcohol bar characters. Yeah, right, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who ran across the floor now and then. I love strawberries. Sometimes say some sour. All right. So, that's that with the many holidays. I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. And now, for the remaining 40 minutes, we can get into it. Now, a lot of this, a lot of times for the shows, I'll have stuff uh, queued up and or written down or web pages open. You know, I don't really have that much open because I want to have a, I mean, I don't know. I just want to have a, a conversation with my mom, the special guest, which we would have if we were not live and doing a podcast, but now we're live doing a podcast. And the thing is about it is that, you know, we've had several um, conversations about this before, but now it's kind of like our story and our perspectives, points of views, how we look at it, I feel can definitely make a difference in other people's lives and can definitely a lot of people can relate to our stories and a lot of people can take what they want to take from the stories. And I feel like that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, I've said on this podcast before out of the 56, 57 shows that we did, I talk a lot about addiction You guys heard my list before of the stuff that we talk about. Well, I definitely spent a lot of time on addiction and recovery and sobriety. And I always mention when I have another month clean and sober. And I always mention that I go to the meetings on intherooms.com and they should pay me for promoting that site. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's a beautiful site. And they have meetings for everything. But before we get all into that, addiction has really ruined my life in many ways. Uh, in many, 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 many ways. And just to give you a little background, when I was like 16 years old, I started drinking alcohol and smoking weed. And I didn't think it was going to be anything more than that course um there was a couple times that i got in trouble or 
I remember one time, mommy, uh, you, mom, I, I don't know if I said mommy just now, but. No, you said mom, you. Mom, you. Um, found a part of a bong in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And then basically from that, I had my first intervention. Um, is that how you remember it? I'm not sure if that was that was an that was a therapy kind of intervention, right? Or are you talking about a family one? No, like a family one. I think that that probably spurred it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was kind of like there was finally proof, you know, from the questions and the concerns and the fears and the, you know, there was kind of it was finally proof. And right. um, you know, and I I didn't know what to do with it, but to confront. Right, because I started acting weird. Right, I started acting a little different, a little bit more maybe aggressive, or not wanting to be around family or stuff like that. Right. Well, you know, and it's hard to say, and, and I don't mean that you know negatively, but sometimes you you know you would be in a good mood and not be in a good mood. So I wasn't sitting there saying, well, now what's causing this? Is he taking drugs? You know, is he, does he have issues? Does he, does he hate us? You know, I, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't, didn't have an answer, just figuring someone was moody. So I really didn't know. But then thinking that if drugs maybe was, is the reason, then now, you know, now maybe it made sense. Mm-hmm. So you have to realize that, you know, until you go through it, there's not necessarily a reason to learn about it or to know about it, you know? So it wasn't something that I could say that I had read about and was knowledgeable about and now was ready for it. It was blind out of the, you know, out of nowhere. And now the first thing you do really is react and you react with fear and panic and and anger and and then of course you start reflecting you know uh, I, I must have done something what what did I do how did I how did I make this happen you know and so you're in this whole big snowball of I don't really know what's happening here but all I know is what my body is feeling and how frightened I am and now I don't know what to do so you know, being the researcher that I am, um, I figured all I had to do was find something on the web. And um, being that I'm a nurse and a mom, all I have to do is find out what to do, and then I can fix this, and everything will be back to normal again. And it didn't happen that way. And <laughs> there was no way that you could have told me that that wasn't going to happen because that's what a mom does. A mom is supposed to fix the pain. A mom is supposed to take away sadness and fears and, and especially, you know, being a nurse too, I'm supposed to make people well. I'm so that's, that's what I do. That's my purpose. And I wasn't able to, to do what I normally was able to do. So of course I whipped myself up because I failed. And, um, you know, and still not really understanding what was happening because I figured, you know, here's the Band-Aid, the bleeding stops. What's the problem? Let's move on. And now we have a happy life. And it was only the more that I started to realize, and actually 
you being forthcoming to explain how serious it really was. I still don't know that I would have understood how serious things were until you shared that part. And it wasn't until later that I realized that that was your first attempt at asking for help. You know, and and that's what started to make me realize I really have to get information on this. I really don't understand this at all. This is overtaking my son and it like like a cancer and I I can't stop it from it and 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 it's just he's disappearing and his his soul is disappearing and I'm losing connection with him and it was the most frightening thing of my life and and still not knowing how to help you know and it wasn't as easy as saying okay so here's a therapist I know. Here's somebody that um, you know can help. Here's a rehab. We just have to go, you know, and not realizing that you know you had a part in this. You might not want to. <laughs> and right. I wasn't thinking that way. I was just thinking, no, this is what we do. This is you go, and we and it's all good again. And and then of course I was my focus was all on you and helping you and and you know doing what was best for you and in, in encouraging you to want to take that step because I believe the first time that you you reached out you knew that you wanted help but you still weren't really ready because you didn't want to give up the one thing that you really you know needed and not realizing that it had so consumed you and it had completely taken you over that you were just riding on on the coattails and and I always kept equating it drugs to to the devil you know to me it was like your soul was being sucked out of you your you you know my my son that I knew the my you know my sweet son is is not my sweet son anymore he's a shell of who he he was and and this goddamn devil is the thing that's taking it from him and you had no control over it. So Right. Well, absolutely. And the thing about it is that it is the devil. Uh, addiction is the devil. For anybody that has been through addiction knows that it's the devil. And the main reason for me or the main like way for me to explain that is there's a ball and chain on us at all times. And unfortunately, that we can't we don't have a key for that ball and chain. So we're walking through life and we're doing things through life and maybe the ball is getting a little lighter at times but it's always there it's always there and i that ball is actually the devil just you know always there waiting for us and always waiting to hold us down and say it wasn't really that bad right what do you have to you know your, your family your family be okay like they you you heard them a million times but it's not that bad like just just have a taste just have a taste and speaking of having a taste when I was talking about that first intervention from back then, even if there was times in my life throughout the 17 years after that, let's say when the first time I, I officially got help, let's say in between that time, there was the periods of time where I actually really did want to change. I really wanted to, I, like I was done with these, with these drugs. I was done with drugs. Um, having so much pressure on my chest like and it just was the only thing that i thought about when i woke up and it was the only thing i thought about when i went to sleep and then you know it, or if i 
woke up in a blackout in a ditch. I don't know where I was, or I woke up in a house where I didn't know where I was. And it was times like that where I was like, I'm, I really don't want to live like this anymore. I kind of want to make a change. But that part of me that wanted that was unfortunately not as strong as the devil part holding me down and just saying, after a couple of days, you know, being sober, you're going to want to come back to me. So all I did in that process is use more and more and use harder and harder drugs. Now I'm not going to play the victim at all. Okay. At all. But I'm just saying that the LGBT community uses and abuses substances 20 to 30% more than the regular population. And I'm just saying that people with mental illness use and abuse substances 20 to 30% more than the regular population. So if I have these two fucking things on my shoulder already going through life, I, I already have this against me. It's almost just like the devil just moved the rock and was like, come on in, like, come on down to hell. Like, just, just party with us because you might as well. Right. It was hard for me to take on so much. Uh, in addition to my regular life that was going on as far as like, you know, being in the music industry and being pushed back into the closet and being in an abusive relationship and being far enough away from my family where I can do whatever the fuck I want and lie about it because they'll never know. They'll never know how skinny I am. They'll never know how, you know, that I've been up awake all week or they'll never know that I'm doing A, B, and C. And then at the same time, spiral completely out of control. And in my mind, all I'm thinking of is, you know, when I when I officially got help or wanted to get help for the first time, when I when I finally moved back to, to family, I was living in Florida and I moved back up to New York because I didn't have a choice of where to go, what to do. I moved back to family and all I did was find different hookups and pawned as much shit as I can pawn and was still high all the time and was doing the same exact shit that I was in Florida until I actually stepped into rehab. But the reason why that ball and chain is there is because unfortunately rehab is not, you know, the only answer because you go to rehab and it's like, it can stop you from using for 21 days, 28 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, it can control you in that environment while you're there and you're getting help and you're learning a lot and you're becoming a new person and hopefully forming new habits. But as you know, mom, and it's not just me, you can leave a rehab and start using again, you know? Mm -hmm. and well, because the reason that you were using it hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. I mean, you still... The, the problems that you had, the things that you were trying to run from haven't changed, you know, so why, how else could it happen? Very true. Very true. And then it's kind of just like now, 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 before I get back as far as like how it, it was affecting family, now it kind of like, you know, 15 months not, not using and actually like working on myself and stuff, this, this curtain is lifted and it's just like, wait a second, like this is, I didn't want to deal with any of this. I didn't want, I didn't want right. this life is, is too difficult. Like I can't do it. Like I need a way out. I need that instant gratification. I need 
some type of drug, some type of substance. I don't even care what it is, even if it's not my drug of choice. You know, even if it's not something that actually brought me to my knees, like, you know, begging to God or whatever it was. But still in that in that frame of mind, I wasn't I was only thinking and caring about myself because I really wasn't, you know, thinking about how family was looking at me and how they were maybe judging me or or looking at me a certain way or worrying so much or giving them, you know, anxiety, you giving anxiety to, you know. But then that leads to more guilt, and then the way you have to cover the guilt up is to use again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I was about to say that because it's it's just a vicious it's a, a vicious cycle in that way. That if it, if that you know, just because of the guilt and shame, right. that can lead you to using because it's just too much to, to take, and that's you know definitely what happened with me as far as like you know getting a little bit time to think about what was going to happen in the future and then realizing that no matter what happens as far as me in my addiction process and my life of addiction, I never had an issue with family turning against me in a way. I don't know if I should use that word turning against me, but kind of just like had enough of me, like just had enough of the bullshit and had to put up a wall and, basically can't deal with it anymore because um, it's hurting them too bad. It's hurting them too badly and they have to love me from afar. I've never experienced that. I've been to meetings before and I've heard people say, like raise their hand and share and say, yeah, I haven't talked to my family in six years. And I instantly like my heart breaks because I'm just like, wow, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. My family is everything to me. They're the only ones that I, you know, I got left on this planet. They're the only ones that will actually hold me down no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets. Well, meanwhile, it's getting bad over and over and over and over and over again. Where now I start lying about using because the last thing I can say out loud to my family is that I'm actually using again. So I start using and then I'm lying about it and then the guilt and shame is too much. And then when that came out to my family, I actually did have a sibling that put up that wall that I was talking about and was completely done with me and didn't talk to me at all. And, you know, that was the first time in my head where I said, okay, because like now what? Like if I, if I have my family turn against me, then I really have nothing, you know? And that's, and that's when that's kind of like what I wanted to talk about today as far as like the family's perspective because I know it's, and it's not just you mom but I'm just saying like you know how it affected everybody I always used to say I'm just happy that I am the addict in the family because I wouldn't be able to take the anxiety and the pain and the worry of a sibling you know using or disappearing or not hearing from or being a psych ward or whatever it is like I wouldn't be able to take that and, and it goes further than the fear for you and the worry about you, you know. It goes into places like, um, I can never trust you again. And how do you not trust right. somebody in your family, you know, that here we're thinking that everything is good and now you were able to, to share that it wasn't good and now that trust just took a nosedive. So, you know, that, that, 
that becomes another issue. Of course, trust is always an issue. And when you start losing trust, then you're always suspicious. You're always looking out of the corner of your eye. You're always wondering, is this true? Did you really mean that? Is that, you know, it, it's so consuming. It, you know, I used to, we used to talk about this all the time, you and I. We used to say that our recoveries paralleled each other because I was on my road to recovery while you were on your road to recovery when you would relapse I would relapse when you would gain strength I would gain strength and even though we were intertwined we were our recovery was parallel because just like your drugs were all consuming to you my worry and fear for you was all consuming I couldn't I wake, wake up in the morning with the fear and worry on my mind the way you would wake up and, and, and have the drugs on your mind, you know? It was so overpowering and overwhelming and, and like I said, totally consuming that everything else just like happened throughout the day. It wasn't, my day wasn't even real. My, my mind was in my head and where were you? Are you okay? Are you safe? Are you, you know, what's gonna happen next? Is it, Am I gonna be able to, to ever see him again? You know, is this the last text that I just had? You know, will I ever see his face again? I mean, it was constant. And then your family, my family, our family would see me in my day. And now I'm walking around as a shell like you were walking around as a shell. And now they're reflecting off of me and they're getting more anxious and they're getting more depressed and they're getting more withdrawn because they certainly don't want to talk to me because I'm pulling away from everybody. And everybody is now in their own little separatenesses trying to figure this out and becoming more anxious and more consumed. And it's this big, horrible cloud of, of fear and, and pain and, and terror. I mean, terror, even beyond fear, terror. And yeah, not being able to save you. That, that was, right. I, I still can't, you know, I'm still... My mind is still not wrapping around that. Right. Well, you summed it up perfectly as far as the, how the family, you know, the outlook of the family. Um, everybody's affected a certain way, but everybody feeds off the energy of each other because if there's siblings that are trying to block it out of their life and they're just like, I can't think of it, I can't think of it, I have to do everything to, you know, in my power to distract it. But then they see you as a shell or they see you crying all the time or they see you worrying all the time, you know. And meanwhile, in my head, when I'm in that state and the devil got me again, I'm just like, no fucks given. Like, I don't care about any of that. It's it's the worst. It's the strangest, but like the worst feeling in the world to have that intensity of wanting something so bad or wanting to do something so bad. Or get your hands on something so bad that nothing else in the world matters. You know, it, it, it is it is such a sick, disgusting, twisted feeling. But once it once you do, you know, try whatever it is, or once you do, you know, step over that line and the devil has you, it's just like that's it. You know, it might not be, you know. Three years from now, like I said, that ball and chain might be a little bit lighter, but it's still there. Like, unfortunately, it's still there, you know? It's just really, it's it's really sick to have something that 
if you really think about it, God or a higher power or whoever brought us here, aliens, whoever brought us here, yes, they did give you dopamine and serotonin and shit like that, but it's supposed to be released at a certain time. It's supposed to be released slowly. It's supposed to be released. It's not supposed to, there's not supposed to be a a chemically made substance that releases it so drastically and so much of it where it's almost like your body can't handle the pleasure. Your body can't handle the pleasure. And once you experience that, why go back to anything else? Like your brain knows it. Your brain is tricked. Your brain is completely tricked. And it knows that I'm not going to get nearly the amount of pleasure if I do A, B, and C. I want to stick to this, you know, and I'll and I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. And that's where my mindset is or any addict mindset is while, you know, what's going on while the family is completely suffering. And I don't even see that until I start getting help. I don't even see that until I step foot into a rehab or even want to get help. And then... The guilt and shame is so strong that, you know, like like you said, it could be a cycle or the guilt and shame is so strong that you're in therapy forever like I am. Well, whoever wants pain. I mean, if, it, if there's an easy way out, you know, that's, pain is, is a horrible thing. Guilt is a horrible thing. Shame is a horrible thing. But with time and, and all the work that you do for yourself to to figure these things out, to, to learn acceptance of who you are and to to work on the things that, that your weaknesses or your struggles, that with more and more time and more and more effort, you become less the victim and more the survivor because you are a survivor, because you are pushing through. And, and just think of those who are not in the same place of where you are or, or t- will take a lot longer to get to that place and and even with your struggles and even with that constant knowing that you know it's it, it's always going to be part of me but that chain is getting lighter and lighter and maybe one day you won't even feel that it's attached to your leg at all you know but part of of you being in in the rooms and part of me being in my al-anon and stuff because we're very sensitive people you know, you, you take on other people's pains. You know, you, you in the rooms have, have without without shared, you know, um, what do you call that, uh, personal stuff about other people. You've heard horrible stories, and, and you've been so pained by things that you've heard by people. And, and I've heard horrible things from the, the parents in the Al-Anon meetings that I've been to that, you know, you don't know whether to walk away being grateful for what you're experiencing or or wishing that you were like them, you know, <laughs> and yeah. then you start getting uh, critical of them, you know, well, you know, wh- what do you mean she can go away and, and on vacation? Isn't she afraid that, that if she, if she's two seconds away from her, her kid, that he's going to kill himself? Doesn't she, doesn't she know that? And, you know, start making judgment and all kinds of stuff for, for other people or saying, wow, I can't believe she's just letting him stay in the room and, and knows that he's shooting up, but at least she knows she's feeding him and he's eating, you know, and, and those are the things that, that you hear to. And at first, I think for me, I would start to compare myself. Well, I'm kind of like her. I'm not like her. I'll never be like her, <laughs> you know, and then you find out what's you and what's where your time is and, and what's where's your place. 
And, you know, my place is to be caring and concerning about the people who are going through what I'm going through. And we always say this. It's the same story, but it's different. So all these people in this room, all these parents are experiencing pain because they're seeing their child in pain. And there's nothing as deeply hurting as that. And... You know, what do you, you take strength from each other, you take hope from each other, and they have the, those three C's that they always talk about in Al-Anon, I didn't cause it, I can't control it, and I can't cure it. I used to repeat those like a mantra in my head because it was helping me realize that I'm not being defeated, I just don't have the ability to be able to help because it has to come from you. And you have to take that first step of wanting it. You have to take that next step of sticking with it. You have to do whatever is in your power to keep you there. And I can only support and love and guide and be available to you. But I can't make you do any of that. And for sanity, I guess you get to a place of that. You know, I don't know whether you want to call it acceptance or acceptance of your limitations or, you know, and, and then recognize what you are able to do i'm able to love i'm able to be available i'm able to to you know to help in any way i can but um it's it's absolutely horrible i don't know <laughs> there's no word for it but like you know yeah well the thing is is like i know that you are a caretaker by nature and then so when something like this happens and like you said you can't fix it but you keep continuing to try over and over you know probably for years if not a decade or something and then you find Al-Anon or Narnon and you and that's exactly the path that they try to put people back on and say like you are experiencing this enormous amount of pain but you didn't cause it and you can't help it at the moment you have to just focus on yourself and I think that's really important to at least acknowledge and know and be aware of the fact that you are a caretaker and if it's just too much to handle and, and it's not going anywhere then that's only going to be that's going to destroy you but you can't leave it at that. I mean, you have to, you can't just say, oh, well, I guess I can't do nothing about it, you know. Uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> but what did work is the higher power, is the prayer, is the actually releasing that powerlessness the same way that you have powerlessness over your drugs, the same way that I had powerlessness over you. That was what you have to release to the higher power and have that that powerlessness taken from you so that at least you get a glimpse of peace and you get a glimpse of hope because you know that you're putting all of your faith and all of your hope into this higher power that is going to get you through. Because there were many nights that the only thing that got me into bed and had my eyes closed for even a tiny bit was knowing that I had prayed for you that night and that higher power heard that prayer and it's in it's in his or her's hands right now and that's the best that I can do for my son is what I have just done. And if it wasn't that, it was sending Reiki. <laughs> so yeah. when you get past that point and say, okay, it can't be me, you know, it'd be like going to the best surgeon in the town and going, okay, doc, here, you take care of him. I, I yeah. had to go to the best surgeon and say, okay, it's in your hands now. Just get us all through this because it can't be me. Right. 
Uh, Baby K, you already know I love you. And Glenn, I appreciate you sharing the show. Wow. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. I mean, I'm just so happy that you're... The one thing, too, though, Dan, as you know, I've I've spoken to people in Al-Anon, too, and they would say to me, you speak to your son about this? And, and, you know, and I say, you have no idea. You know, we, we speak about a lot of stuff. We share a lot of things. And, and that is, that has been so powerful for us too, because, you know, even when you've come to Al-Anon meetings and you've seen the parents fall apart and cry and you make you realize, oh my God, oh my God, these poor parents, it's not just mine. Look what we're doing to them. And then I've gone to NA meetings and I see the other, um, people in the room and my heart just breaks for them and saying, Oh my God, look at the pain that they're sharing and they're experiencing. So we've been able to share each other's sides. And I think that that helps us too. You know, it's, it's supportive to each other also. And, I think uh, it's, extru- I think it's very important because I, I, I really also think it um, kind of after a while, it destroys that cycle of the guilt and shame because that can go on forever. I could just go on and on and on and on and I could just use because of that and you guys could be, you know, not trusting me even more and worry even more. That could just be a whole thing. But the more discussion and dialogue that we have about it, about both sides, I, I definitely think it's it's um, a huge help. I mean, like I say, like I would never say I would never talk to you about some of the stuff that I'm in therapy for, for like PTSD and stuff, but you don't need, you don't need to know that. That's not, that's not, that's not like, what's the point if you, if you find out or you know about that, or I share that with you, what do you have more nightmares and stuff like and more, more to worry about? You ready? You know where my life was at basically that I was using and it got worse and worse and the drugs got harder and harder and the situations got worse and worse. But then you also know, that I went to three rehabs and I went to a halfway house and I went to five outpatients and somebody that does that over a period of, you know, six, seven years, you know that they want it for themselves. And I, and that's I truly did want it. Was mm-hmm. that? That's the only way it would have worked is if you, of course. you had to want it for yourself. Of course. And that, that alone even took me a long time to process and to understand because a lot of times you know, like I said, that curtain that's open, I have to look at myself and I don't like myself in many ways. And I hated myself for many ways. And I have shame of some of the stuff that I've done to myself that I like, it's hard to look in the mirror sometimes and just be like, how could you? And all that bullshit that comes with being an addict. Now I have to look at without using drugs and now I have to work on. And so if somebody, a counselor or you or uh, somebody, an NA, a sponsor, whoever says you have to work on yourself and you have to do it for yourself. Okay. Well, I hate myself. I don't like myself. I despise myself. I think I'm a piece of shit. I always say that I'm a piece of shit. Who who, Who the fuck cares? Do it for yourself. Okay. I'll get high tomorrow then, you know, but, but because we're having this conversation, a lot of it is holding on to family as well. You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, this family unit that I've known since I was born is there for me no matter what. And I, and I, and I don't want to let them down at first. It's, it's definitely a good, like, um, lifesaver. 
like a little lifesaver to throw out and just hold on in the water and be like, okay, like we got you until you got you. You know, they say that in NA all the time. We got you until you got you. Mm-hmm. How powerful is that? Very powerful. You know, it's a beautiful I mean, thing. I've had friends who would, would say to me, you know, okay, so I found my son's rehab and I called him up and I got all the stuff together and he's going in on Monday and I would say, and he's good with this. Nope, he doesn't want to be there, but I got him in. We're going to be there at 10 o'clock. Right. And they're in on Monday. And by the time they've gotten home, the kid has left the rehab and they're on their way home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They were not ready. And, and you know, just, you know, how many times I wanted you to be ready when I was ready. <laughs> you, know, you know? Oh, yeah. I want, I want you ready yesterday. Yeah. Well, in 1998, I would have been clean. That would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would have been nice. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, uh, caretaker, financial, I don't even need to get into that. Um, creating negative roles, becoming isolated from family and friends, obviously. Um, that's kind of what we were talking about the whole time. You know, there was definitely at first, and I can say this like other addicts as well, at first it was definitely more of a social thing for sure. You know, smoking weed and drinking in high school it was like when i was drinking in high school this mental illness that came over me that i didn't even realize that i had which was this severe anxiety generalized anxiety when i was drinking it completely took it away it was medicine for it it was medicine that wasn't prescribed to me so of course i'm going to keep drinking i'm going to drink as much as i possibly can and wherever i can and then it went to this with more people around. Oh, this is kind of cool. This is a social thing. And then it went to this. Okay, well, this is okay. And then it went to this. Now I'm being I'm social. I'm with people, but I'm with like strangers, you know, in a in a crack house with with blankets on the windows, you know, like someone with a gun, like looking outside. Okay, well, this is kind of not really a social where I really want to get. And then when it gets to finally the point when you when you have to step into rehab, and I'm sure this is the story for many addicts. You're completely by yourself and you're just using an insane amount of drugs. And the only person that you're talking to is your dealer. And that's how, that's how you're living, you know, and when it gets to that point and when the devil got you like that, you know, what, what kind of life is that? What kind of life is that? It's not, it's not life. You know, it really, it, it just gets to the point where it's like, I, I need to change or I'm going to die. Or if you're in many situations where you should have died, you know, I always used to say, I'm not going to live past 30. I'm not going to live past 30. I knew I wasn't going to. And now I'm pushing 40 and it's like, holy shit, you know, here I am. And it definitely hasn't been an easy road, but it's worth it. It's, it's definitely worth it. It's worth every day. And um, even with shit that I have against me, like I said before, as far as mental health and, LGBT bullshit just because of how society looks at us and stuff like that. And it took a long time for me to be comfortable with my own skin, et cetera, et cetera. It truly is one hour at a time. I can't even say one day at a time, one hour at a time, because there can be an hour, a random hour that I get the strongest urge of my life to use something, you know, and I even say that with cigarettes too. Like I think cigarettes are the most disgusting things in the world. And if I pass by someone smoking or someone in my apartment complex, I smell it from my balcony. I just, I want to throw up and then randomly for no reason, 
I want a cigarette really, really bad. And it's just like, damn, that's, that's crazy how the addiction works like that, you know? And then, and it worked and, and not even just nicotine, you know, nicotine is one of the strongest drugs, most potent drugs out there, but definitely other stuff too, that I get a strong urge for out of nowhere that it's just like, Oh shit. Well, I got to fight this for an hour and that's my mission, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there was a piece of your soul that was still alive and a piece of your soul that's getting louder and louder and you chose to listen to the part that is bringing you strength and bringing you hope and giving you that, um, that survivor instinct that, you know, you can make the past like we were talking about the other day, your past is over. It's not part of your present. It's part of who you are to be present, but it doesn't exist now. And your future is what's in your control. And for you to be able to take on all that you're taking on, to find peace with yourself, to be good with, with being alone with yourself, to love yourself for who you are, even though you get those little things shooting in every now and then, yeah, but I'm not, yeah, but I'm not, but it's getting, they get stronger and stronger. The more that you work at it and the harder that you, you go with it. And, you know, I, I just from seeing you, and, and seeing how you've been really on this path to um, bring yourself peace. Um, and again, all because you want to, all because it's your choice and all because you are getting stronger and stronger. And I think higher power is really, is, is just, you know, just stands there waiting, just waits for you to say, you know, help, you know, putting your hands up and, and, and it really, it takes over, it takes over. Absolutely. It's way stronger than you think. Yes, I learned it from the best, Mom. I learned it from the best. <laughs> um, all I can say is it's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. We are out of time, and that is addiction, the family disease. I don't even know why I want to give it a round of applause, but I'm just giving it a round of applause just because we had a nice discussion, and it's the end of the podcast. Well, you know, addiction is definitely the devil, and I'm just very happy as well because higher power was discussed a couple times and brought up a couple times, and uh, higher power is definitely, 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 deeply, strongly in my life, and um, there are definitely times where I struggle so much that the only thing I can do is really, you know, pray or talk to my higher power or whatever it is, and um, I definitely recommend if you guys are interested in that, we did a spirituality versus religion podcast last Thursday, I believe. And um, you should definitely check that out. Right, Nikki P? Right. And uh, shout out to everybody in the room. I really appreciate it. I didn't use many, you know, uh, sound effects and stuff because I really wanted you guys to listen. So I definitely appreciate that as well. And like I said, spread the word of the podcast. Tell a friend, tell a baby mom, tell a stranger in the store. Thank you, baby K and Glenn. Good luck. Appreciate you. And you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at mixture variety and that's at mixture variety without the of and Instagram is at mixture of variety. 
That's the easiest way to spread the word, I would say. And if you're listening to this on the recorded show on Podbean, that's awesome. Spread the word because we are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And Spotify numbers are going up. And I appreciate you guys. Alpha Mike, we are about to end it, but I appreciate you coming in the room anyway. That is the show, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Thanks, Mom. Have a good night. Love you. Love you, too.